chapter 17, Luke chapter 17, about four years ago, maybe five, I know it's at least probably four years ago, um, the only time in 16 years that we've been here at Abundant Life, I taught one quarter of uh, the adult Sunday school class. And uh, I taught that on Sunday morning and then preached on Sunday morning. Man, I was doing double duty. I was, I was loving it. And anybody that wasn't here uh, for that, when I taught that 13 weeks on Sunday mornings, um, I actually sat in, on, on one of those high stools and taught sitting down. Anybody remember that? I think you guys were in there. Uh, but I taught... Um, I taught on the, uh, from the book, we studied the book, uh, John Bevere's book on the bait of Satan. And I don't know how many remember that, that time. Brother, it's all coming back to you now, isn't it, Brother Butch? <laughs> I remember Brother Butch telling me about every Sunday how we were getting, I was getting on everybody's toes. And, uh, but anyway, I'm not going to teach for 13 weeks on this subject but I do feel the Lord has, has impressed me for a few weeks, for a few Wednesday nights to deal with this subject of this subject matter again on the bait of Satan, which is offense. And um, I think we need some, some, bit, some Bible teaching along this line. Every church does, not just Abundant Life Family Church, but every church does, and every Christian uh, needs to know about offense because as we're going to see here from the Word of God, every one of us will have the opportunity to be offended. And if there's one thing that's prominent in the world today, everybody's offended about something in the world today. I've never seen anything like it. And, uh, but it's also become, it's also something that, that's kind of prominent within the body of Christ. And so what does the Bible say about this subject of offense, and, uh, which is um, the bait of Satan? We're going to look a little bit at that, lay some foundation tonight, and uh, look, a little bit, look at that just a little bit. So in Luke chapter 17 and verse number 1, beginning with verse 1, Jesus said this, says that when then he said, Jesus said to his disciples, it's impossible... Now notice this, it's impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. In other words, if somebody offends you or sins against you, tell them about it. Don't, don't just walk away and don't say anything and then go tell everybody else about it. Tell them. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, what? Forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, what did Jesus say? You shall forgive him. And then verse 5, when the apostles heard all of this, then the apostles said, the Lord, increase our faith. <laughs> they knew they were going to need some help doing that. But um, I want to talk to you uh, tonight a little bit about this, 
this subject of offense, Jesus saying there in that first verse that it is impossible, it is impossible, and we need to get a hold of that, it is impossible that no offenses should come. So if we are, have the idea that we can go through life with, without ever having someone to offend us, uh, in some way we better think again because Jesus said that's impossible, it ain't going to happen. It's just not going to happen. And so I want to look at this tonight for a few moments and uh, in what is, I believe, the deadliest and the most deceptive traps um, of the enemy that he has, that he brings against believers in the body of Christ. This is a trap that imprisons countless, of, countless numbers of Christians today. This is a trap that, that severs relationships. This is a trap that will cause you, will cause me to be unable to function in our calling because we've been wounded or because we've been hurt. This is a trap that will handicap us spiritually and will hinder us from fulfilling our full potential in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the trap that we're talking about is the trap of offense. And um, it's, being, it's, it's allowing ourselves or being hurt by someone, being harmed or injured by someone, being offended by someone. And as I said, all of us are going to have that opportunity for that to happen in our life. And so um, when we think about offense and being offended, uh, the thing about it is that most of the time, much of the time, and, and within the church, now I'm speaking, most of the time that offense takes place, the person, the individual is hurt by a fellow believer, by um, another Christian, another person in the church, in the body of Christ. And um, that's what makes the offense, I don't hear anything out of there now, that's what makes the offense feel like a betrayal is because it, 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 um, it comes from a fellow believer. Now David experienced this in uh, Psalm 55. And you know, I just want to stop right here and just say that as Christians, if we're walking the way we should, all of us walking in love and harmony and unity, we're, we're, not, going to purposely, um, we're not going to purposely hurt or offend anyone. Sometimes we can offend people and not realize that we've offended them. And uh, our people can take offense and we don't realize that we've done that. But, um, but, but the offense, when it comes from a fellow believer then, somebody hurts us or offends us, it makes us, it makes us um, feel like then that we've been betrayed by them. And David experienced this. And he wrote in Psalm 55, verse 12 through 14, David said, For it is not an enemy who reproaches me, then I could bear it. Nor is it one who hates me who's exalted himself against me. Then I could hide from him. But notice what he says. But it was you, a man my equal, my companion, my acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together and walked in the house of God in the throng or with, you know, within, with the congregation. So David was speaking here of being betrayed by 
um, his close friend Ahithophel, and uh, Ahithophel was Ahithophel was very close to David. But when Absalom, David's son, rebelled against his father and swayed the people and drove David out and took the kingdom, Ahithophel betrayed his good friend David and joined ranks with Absalom. And so David was talking here in Psalm 55 about his betrayal by this close friend. He said, you know what? If it would have been an enemy, if it would have been somebody that, that, that hated me, if it would have been somebody that, that had exalt, some, somebody that had exalted himself against me, an enemy that, that, that hated me, I could have handled that. But he said, it was you. It was a man my equal. It was my companion. You were a, an acquaintance of mine. You and I, and here's what he was saying, you and I went to the house of God together. We were in fellowship in, in the house of the Lord. We worshiped together. And so David is lamenting how he was hurt by the betrayal of his close friend Ahithophel. And so, you know, the closer the relationship you have with somebody, the more severe the offense is when that closeness is broken or when that closeness is severed. And, um, you know, here's something that's, that's sad but true, but we often find the greatest hatred uh, takes place uh, among people who we were once close to. Boy, it's real quiet tonight, isn't it? And that is true. That's a true statement because you can talk to attorneys and attorneys will say that some of the most vicious cases that they've ever had to, um, had to preside over have taken place in divorce courts where here's two people that one time were so madly in love and now they're viciously attacking one another. And history even shows that the bloodiest wars that have been fought on the face of the earth have been civil wars where brother has fought against brother. And we had that right here, you know, in the United States back in the 1800s. So that's, that, that happens so often within the body of Christ. When, when brother, uh, brothers be, and sisters become offended with one another. Well, we want to we deal with that so that that doesn't happen. I think it happens far, you know, when it's happening in the world, it's one thing. But man, when it comes into the body of Christ, um, it grieves the Holy Spirit. Now, in 2 Timothy, Paul says, in 2 Timothy 3 and 2, he gives, well, verses 1 and 2, but he gives um, there some, some signs of the last days. And he says that, you know, in the last days, perilous times will come. And he said that men will be lovers of themselves lovers of money, they'll be boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful and unholy. And when you look at those characteristics of how people are going to be in the last days, I think you can see that that's exactly the way people are today. We're seeing this, this fulfilled in the world today, but also in the church because we're living in a day and a time when selfishness reigns in our world and in our society. 
We're living in a day when everybody just wants to, it's all about me, you know. It's everybody wants to do what pleases them. It's not, they don't care about anybody else. Doesn't matter what, what you feel or what anybody else feels. You know, the attitude is, I'm going to do what I want to do and please myself. And Paul said that that would be a major characteristic in the last days, that men would be lovers of their own selves. They just want their own way. And, uh, but this verse, you know, we, as I said, we see that in the world. But this verse is referring to that characteristic also being prominent in the body of Christ in the last days. And I think that's, we see that today. Uh, and we shouldn't be seeing that today in the body of Christ. Can I get an amen? amen. Now Jesus made it clear. Jesus made it clear uh, in the text that we read from Luke 17 that it's impossible to live in this world and not have the opportunity to become offended. You're, you're going to have that opportunity to be offended by somebody. You're going to have the opportunity to have your feelings hurt. That's why we can't wear them up here. Come on, amen? Because, you know, the opportunity will come. And Jesus said that if we're thinking that, that we're going to go through life and never have the opportunity to be offended, never have the opportunity to get hurt or to have our feelings hurt, we're, you know, we're, we're just fooling ourselves because Jesus said that that is an impossibility. But here's the thing. Most of us are shocked and bewildered and amazed when we do face offense, when we are offended, when someone does hurt us, I mean, we think, you know, well, we just can't figure that out. We feel like we're the only one in the world who has ever been wronged. This, this you know, isn't that the truth? Amen. But, but Jesus said we need to prepare for that because it's going to happen. The opportunity will come. And when that happens, when we come to that place, you know, that, that we, we, we are offended. And if we, if we are, are, are shocked and bewildered at that, and we're thinking, well, why did this happen to me? If we, we're feeling like we're the only one that's ever been through that, um, then that leaves us in a vulnerable position for a root of bitterness to take hold. And see, this is why Satan... This is why the enemy uses offense so much because he knows that if he can get a person offended and he can get a person holding a grudge or living in unforgiveness because someone's offended them, that it opens the door for a root of bitterness in that individual's heart and life. And I'm telling you, that's why it's a trap. That's why it's such a trap. Satan uses this so wisely to, to destroy the spiritual lives of individuals. That's why we have got to make sure that we are on guard to not be offended, to not, to not, we've got to prepare ourselves and be prepared because, listen, your response to an offense from a brother or sister in Christ, your response to that determines your future. Do you believe that? It's how you and I respond to that is determined whether we're going to... Uh, 
continue to live in victory or I let that offense just take control of our lives. Now, the Greek word that is used there for offense is the word scandalon, and that's the word, of course, the Greek word where we get our English word scandal from. But uh, scandalon, that Greek word refers to the part of a trap on which the bait was attached. You think, you think of a mouse trap, you know, uh, the part that you put the cheese on. That's the scandalon. That, that bait is put on that, that trigger mechanism of that trap. And then the trap is set, and when the mouse takes the cheese, he flips the trigger, boom, dead mouse, caught mouse, right? Very simple thing, very simple uh, mechanism there. But that's what the word offense or scandalon means. It's that part of the trap where the bait's attached. And so it signifies a laying a trap in, some, uh, in someone's way or laying a trap for someone. And, and in the New Testament, that word scandalon often describes an entrapment or a lure or a snare and it's the bait that is used by the enemy to, to lure or entice someone from the faith. Offense is the scandalon. It's the bait. It's the lure. It's the, it's the trap that Satan sets to spring on you and me as individuals because he knows that this trap of offense, if he can get us to take the bait and to be offended, will ruin our lives spiritually. Come on, amen? Hallelujah. Now I know this is not shouting ground here tonight, but this is stuff that will help us to be better Christians and will help us to grow up, amen, and live a victorious life. Now, now, now uh, offense, take, uh, an offense is a deceptive trap. And offense is a tool that is used by the enemy. It's used by the devil to bring you into captivity. What happens when that mouse goes for that bait and triggers that little scandal on, boom, he's, he's captive, right? And he's usually dead, but, um, but, but he's, he's trapped, he's, he's caught. And so that's, um, that's something about offense. It's a trap, but it's a deceptive trap. And Satan uses that trap of offense to bring people into captivity. And see, this is what, I don't, listen, I don't want to be, I don't want to be in bondage to the enemy. Jesus Christ has set us free from that, that trap, the, the, the entrapments of Satan. He doesn't want us to be snared, and he doesn't want us to be trapped by the enemy. But the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24, it says that the servant of the Lord must not quarrel. Now, now this, is go, this, is, uh, this is to um, talking about ministers or those in ministry, but it goes for all of us. Are you hearing me? I said it goes for all of us. The servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. Correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. And look at verse 26. 
and that they may come to their senses <laughs> and escape the snare of the devil having been taken captive by him to do his will. Now notice Paul is talking about those who are in quarrels, those who are in opposition with one another, and he says they fall into a trap and it, it, it allows the devil to come in and, and cause them to become a prisoner to do the devil's will. Now when you think about that, that's a scary thought. That's a scary thought. I don't want to open myself up, and I'm sure you here in this service tonight don't want to open yourself up for the enemy to bring you into his, into his cap, under his captivity and hold you in captivity to do his will. I don't want to do the devil's will. I want to do the Lord's will. Come on, amen. But quarreling and fighting and opposition and offense opens the door. It's the bait of Satan. It springs the trap and allows the enemy to captivate people and hold them in bondage. That's why this thing is such a, uh, so, um, so dangerous and that we need... That's why Jesus warned about it, that we need to understand that the opportunity will come for us to be offended. If we think it's, it, it's impossible that it will not... That, it, that offenses are going to come and we'll have that opportunity. But we've got to be on guard for that, all right? Now, all offended people... Um, all offended people fall in two major categories. Are you listening to me? See, the thing about... The, 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 deceived people believe they're right. <laughs> deceived people believe they're right when they're not right. Is that right? A person that is deceived, thinks that they're in the right when they're not. And so all offended people fall in two major categories. It's, and, and those categories are those who have been treated unjustly and those who believe that they've been treated unjustly. So anytime offense comes, we're, you know, we're one of the two. We either actually have been offended and treated wrong and unjustly, or we think we have. And one's as bad as the other. If you think you have, it can, it, you know, when you have it, and I, you know, and I don't know, I might have already said this, but, you know, there's times when, when I, I have offended people and not know it, and not mean to, and not, and not intend to. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Uh, and, you know, unintentionally, did you know you can hurt somebody or offend somebody? That's why I said we can't go around wearing our feelings up on our, our sleeve, our shirt sleeve or whatever, because, and just, you know, wa waiting for so Some people are that way. Some people are just waiting for somebody to say the wrong thing so they can puff up and, 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 and get offended. Well, they hurt my feelings. Do you know there's, there's multitudes of people that are, that, are, that are out of church today, that one time were in a church, were in church, that are out of church today, 
And I hear this all the time. Uh, well, so-and-so, where are they going? to? Well, they're not going anymore. They got really hurt bad at a church. You ever hear that? They got hurt by a pastor, or they got hurt by a church member, or they got hurt in the church. So they're just not going anywhere anymore. Can you see how that trap is sprung? Can you see that that individual that's completely out of church because of an offense, how they have been taken captive by Satan to do his will and his bidding? Do you think it's God's will for them to be out of church? Do you think it's God's will for them to go around with, 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 with harboring resentment and feelings against the church in general because someone hurt their feelings? That's how bad offense is. And I'm going to tell you this. Listen to me, saints. When we stand before the Lord Jesus Christ... He's not going to accept that excuse. He's not going to accept that excuse. And every one of us will give an account to our, of ourselves to the Lord. And when, when, when people stand before Him and say, Well, I got hurt in church, so I didn't go. He isn't accepting that. Because He's told us in the Word, if we've been offended, if our brother sins against us, go to Him, tell Him about it. If He repents, forgive Him. Amen. Get this stuff all, all out. There's no, there's no reason for any Christian to go through life harboring offense in their life. Are you with me tonight? So people, some have been mistreated. Some feel like they've been mistreated. But listen, just because an individual's been mistreated does not mean that that, that person has the permission to hold on to that offense. Because two wrongs never make a right. Somebody may have wronged you. Somebody may have hurt you. Someone may have offended you. But my Lord, the Bible tells us that we can get victory over that and forgive and get it under the blood of Jesus and make it right. Come on, amen. Don't allow something like that to cause us to lose out with the Lord. It will cripple you spiritually if you don't get those things taken care of. What is it that causes people to hold on to those offenses? What is it that causes those people that have been offended to, to view themselves as a victim. And here's what most offended people do. They take the victim mentality. And you know what causes that? The main sin that caused the fall from the beginning. Pride. Well, I was mistreated. I was misjudged. So I'm justified then in my behavior and the way that I act. I don't have to talk to them. I don't have to have, you know, I just, you know, I don't have to do that. And so we feel like we're justified in that. And because that individual believes that they've been falsely accused or been wrongly done, they hold back then forgiveness. We can never afford to hold back forgiveness. That's never good because anytime we refuse to let an offense go or hold back uh, forgiveness, it always leads to bitterness. And, uh, you know, we've got to guard against becoming bitter in our hearts. Amen? Now listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24. And you know Matthew chapter 24 is the 
chapter um, that he talks about the signs of the times, the signs of the end times, the coming of the Lord. And in Matthew chapter 24, he says in verse 10, Jesus says, and, and then many, listen to this, and then many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Notice how many times Jesus uses the word many. One, two, three, three times that I see there. And the love of many, uh, four times, will grow cold. And he who endures, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. Now Jesus, as I said in chapter 24 here, he is giving the signs of the end of the age. And I think we can say without reservation that we're there. We're, at the end, we're in the end times, right? We're, at the, we're in the last days. We're in that, the final days before the Lord's coming back. And he describes that time in Matthew chapter 24. But one of the signs I think that we fail to mention when we talk about the signs of being in the last days is the one that Jesus mentions here in verse 10 when Jesus said that one of these signs of the last days would be that many will be offended. Do you see that? Not just a few will be offended, but He said many will be offended. Now, who are these that He's talking about? Who are the many that are offended? Is, it, is, it, is He talking about Christians? Is He talking about those in the, in the church, in the body of Christ? Or is He just talking about society in general? Because we know society in general feeds on offense, don't they? Everybody's offended about something today, you know. I mean, you know, you, you, know, you, you can't do the tomahawk chop because it offends somebody. You can't, you know, you got to change the name of sports teams because it offends somebody. Everybody's getting offended about something. Um, you know, they didn't do the tomahawk chop tonight in Atlanta, and it wasn't because uh, somebody was getting offended. It was because the Cardinals scored 10 runs in the first inning. So they couldn't, they couldn't chop. Amen. <laughs> but, but we know society is inundated with offense. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. But, but Jesus said that many would be offended. I believe if we look at this, we can see that he's talking about this offense being among the Christians, among the saints of God. And not just a few, but he said many. And can I tell you something? Listen to me, saints, that, that, that offended Christians are becoming more prominent in the body of Christ today. Listen, we've got to get a handle on this. The church of Jesus Christ has got to get a How in the world are we, as, a, as, a, as, a, as the body of Christ, how can believers be a witness and win sinners to Jesus when, when, when the church can't get along in its, with, with one another? Amen? Is this okay tonight? All right. Well, that's good. <laughs> but Jesus, Jesus here says that, that because lawlessness, uh, the King James says, Iniquity. New King James says lawlessness. And of course we see lawlessness uh, throughout the, the nation and in the world today. But because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. So I think in that verse though, it gives us the answer of who he's talking about 
those, those many that would be offended is because he says there that word love, the love of many will grow cold. That word love is the Greek word agape. And there's two, there's, there's two different Greek words that's used for love in the Bible, the agape and phileo. And phileo love is an affectionate love. It's a conditional love. You know, phileo love is that kind of love that says, you treat me kindly and I'll treat you kindly. You love me, I'll love you back. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. You help me, I'll help you. And that's natural human love and everybody has that natural human love. But agape love is altogether different. Agape love is is the love that comes into a person's heart that the Bible says is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. And the only way that you can have agape love, the love of God in your heart and life, is to be saved and to be born again. The world, listen to me, the world doesn't know anything about the agape love of God. And that's the kind of love Jesus talked about in John chapter 13 when He told His disciples. Before He, before he went to the cross, He said, A new commandment that I, I'm giving to you, that, that, uh, that you love one another as I have loved you, so love you one another. It's that God kind of love. It's that agape love that shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. And, and the agape love is different than phileo. Phileo's conditional. I'll love you if, you if you do me good. I'll love you. I'll be your friend. But agape love is unconditional. Agape love is the kind of love that Jesus demonstrated when He came here and died for us when we were His enemies and gave His life for us when we were against Him. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. For God so agape the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Amen? That's the kind of love that Jesus has. It's the, it's the kind of love that gives even when it's rejected. Agape love is an unconditional love. It's the kind of love that Jesus expressed on the cross when they had plucked the beard out of His face, when they had nailed His hands and His feet to the timbers, when they had whipped Him and when they had beaten Him and when they had spit upon Him and when they had mocked Him. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That is the agape kind of love, the love that you and I as believers are supposed to all possess and demonstrate it's an unconditional love. Amen. And he said that the agape, the love of many, the agape of many would wax cold, would grow cold in these last days. Jesus is referring to Christians in that verse when he said that many would be offended, that many, those Christians, would, would, who, would, 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 their love would grow cold. And uh, there would be no love for the brethren, no love for fellow believers. They would have that tendency to become easily offended and easily upset. And this is a danger. Listen to me. Just a few more minutes, we'll bring this to a close. But listen, here's the danger. Because this allowing offense creates an atmosphere in your life to be deceived. It creates an atmosphere for deception. I don't think there's any one of us here that want to be deceived by the enemy, do we? But notice what Jesus said. Immediately after Jesus made the statement about being offended, 
he then warned of false prophets. Notice that in verse 10, verse, verse 10 he, he said, Many will be offended in Matthew 24, and many will betray one another, and many will hate one another. And then verse 11 he says, Then many false prophets will arise and deceive many. So immediately after the statement he makes about being offended, he begins to warn and admonish them about false prophets. So who are the many that those false prophets will deceive? Now are you kind of getting this together in its context? The many that the false prophets will be able to deceive are those whose love, agape, has grown cold and those many that have become offended. Because when our love for one another grows cold, our lo- listen, if your love for your fellow brothers and sisters is cold, your love for Jesus isn't too hot either. Amen? And when your love grows cold, you easily become offended when the agape, when you're not walking in the love as you should, and that opens the door for deception. That's what Jesus said. That many would be offended and then false prophets would come and deceive many. I don't want to be deceived. I don't want anybody in this church to be deceived by false prophets. Can I tell you something this evening? That there are a lot of wolves. There are a lot of wolves. And do you know that the wolves put on sheepskin and come to churches? That's one of my, that's one of, as, as the shepherd... That's one of my duties as the shepherd is to watch out for the wolves and to make sure the wolves don't get into the sheep. Come on, somebody. Amen. But there are wolves that hang around sheep that come into the congregation that are sent by the enemy to infiltrate churches and to deceive people's lives. We're living in a time when it's so dangerous because of deception that is out there. And wolves, and here's the thing about wolves. Wolves always go after the wounded sheep and they go after the young sheep. They don't go after the healthy and the strong sheep. And see, they, 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 and they, they, they will go after an isolated sheep as well. That's why I try to tell people, get in church and stay in church. You need a church family. You need a sheepfold. You need, a, you, need, you, know, you need other sheep and a shepherd to help you along the way. Isn't that right? Because the wolf will go after those isolated sheep and the wolf will go after those wounded sheep and those young sheep. And those wolves will tell people what they want to hear, not what they need to hear, but they'll tell them what they want to hear. And so Paul saw prophetically that these deceived individuals would have a zeal for knowledge, but they would remain unchanged since they never apply that knowledge. And here's the deception. Listen to me. Here's the deception. Let me say that again. That individuals, when they become deceived, they have a zeal for knowledge, but they remain unchanged because they never apply the knowledge of the Word. And Paul said in 2 Timothy 3, 7, that these individuals are ever learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. 
this is what Paul foretold. And what he, said, what he saw and what he prophesied, we see it happening and in operation within the body of Christ, within the church today. There is, because offense brings deception into people's lives, they can't see the wrong in it, and Satan has lied to them, making them think they're okay. They, they, they are ever learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Offended people are running from church to church, trying to escape an offense, all of them professing the lordship of Jesus while they have unforgiveness in their heart that they cannot forgive somebody for what they've done for them. Amen? So it matters not how much scripture they know, it matters not how much they pray or study the Bible or attend church, it matters not if their lives are holding unforgiveness because of an offense and they refuse to repent of sin, that person has never come to the knowledge of the truth. They're going from church to church, ever learning, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth to make things right with the Lord. They become a vagabond and a nomad and they never can get situated or find a place in any local church. I know that's not popular. I just told some, I, t- I said this very thing to some people a few, a, a few weeks back. Because they had fallen into that trap of being offended. And they said, well, we're leaving. We're not going to make things, try to make it right. We're out of here. I said, you know what? Here's what I told them. I said, this is what you do. You go from church to church, and you're okay till you get, till you don't get your way. And then you get offended, and then you run to the next one. And I told them, with love, I think it was with love. I hope it was. But I said, (laughs) they probably didn't take it that way. I probably offended them. But I said, you know, unless you get, I said, you'll carry that same offense to the next place, and then you'll carry it to the next place, and then to the next place, and you're ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And the sad thing about it is that, that so many there are many um, that are in that, in that situation. And, and Jesus said that, that it's a progression. He said that many will be offended, then they'll betray one another, then they'll hate one another. Can you see the progression of that? Offense, being offended, then leads to, uh, to betrayal and betrayal to hatred. And it's a sad, sad situation. And it's considered normal behavior in people's lives today. They think that they're justified in that situation. But we've got to overcome that. Can I get an amen? We've got to, get to overcome it. Praise God. We've got to get the victory over it. Jesus, in closing, Jesus dealt with that church at Laodicea, and I won't take the time to read those verses. You can read them in Revelation chapter 3 when you get home. 
But Jesus, Jesus dealt with, um, with a church, that church there, that thought they were okay. And they saw themselves as needing nothing. You remember that church at Laodicea? They said, well, we're rich and increased with goods and we don't need anything. And that, that's how they saw themselves. They were fine. There was no problem. But then Jesus exposed their true condition. And He said, you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Because pride, notice this, and I mentioned that pride a while ago, that pride factor. Pride hid their true condition. Because they said, we got everything. We don't need anything. They had mistaken financial and material uh, prosperity and strength for spiritual strength. And those two have nothing to do with one another. And so many today within the body of Christ are in this same situation. They don't see their true spiritual condition. And I found out that that's the case in so many people that are, that are, are holding offense in their hearts. They don't see it. They justify the pride causes them to justify themselves. And they're ever learning, but they never see their true condition, how they are. They said, we don't need anything. We're fine. But Jesus showed them their true condition. And we need that today. We need our eyes open to see if it's there. Now, I'm not saying that there's anybody in this service tonight that's holding offense. I don't know. I search my heart on a continual basis. But Jesus told that church in Revelation of Laodicea, he told them that there was a cure for that deception, that they should be able to see their spiritual condition. And He told them to buy, He said, buy of me refined gold in the fire, uh, that, that's been refined in the fire. You know what refined gold is? I, I don't know if you know anything about gold. I don't know a whole lot about it because I don't own any of it. Amen? But, but refined gold is gold that is soft and pliable and it's free from corrosion. But when gold gets mixed with other metals such as iron or copper, it becomes hard and less pliable and more corrosive. Has anybody ever had a gold ring before that turns your finger green? You know what that means if you do? Amen. It means you've bought your, your bride a cheap ring. Amen. Because it's mixed, <laughs> it's mixed, it's mixed with, with, uh, with other alloys. There's other metals in there with that gold. It's not pure. And, and so it's, it corrodes very easily and it's hard and it's not pliable. And that's the way a person's heart gets when offense is in their heart. The pure heart is like pure gold. Pure gold is soft and tender and pliable. And that heart can be hardened and will get hardened if if we allow offense against someone in our heart and in our life. If we don't deal with the offense, it will harden our hearts and it will produce more fruit of sin. There will be bitterness and anger and revenge and resentment that will, that, will just, that will just come up and come up and come up within that heart. 
And it reduces... You know, the harder a person's heart gets, it removes the tenderness of that heart. And the Bible tells us God wants us to be tender-hearted. Isn't that right? When that tenderness of heart is lost, there's a loss of sensitivity. And then it hinders the ability of that individual to be able to hear the voice of God. That's the setting for deception. When our heart gets hardened and we can't hear the voice of God and we become callous simply because we've allowed bitterness and offense to remain in our heart. Jesus said, you've got to get that taken care of. He said, I want you to buy of me. Jesus said, buy of me refined gold. That's been refined. How do you refine gold? You put it through the fire. Amen. It's got to be melted down. It's got to go through the fire. And when that gold is melted down, it's put in that crucible. It's put through extreme heat. And that gold is melted. And listen, the pure gold goes to the bottom and all the alloy and the junk and the filth and the dross comes to the top and they can skim that off. That's what Jesus is wanting to do to his people tonight. He said, then I can clean you up. I've got to put you through the fire. I've got to put you through the test so that you can see what's on the inside of your heart. Come on, somebody. Amen. I've went through some stuff here lately that has, that has caused me to seek God like never before. And you know what? You know what I found in that time of, of going through that fire? I found there was some junk there that needed to come out. Amen. 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 That... I probably wouldn't have thought anything about had it not been for a test and a trials of affliction causing me to, to, to seek after God more. That's the purpose of trials and afflictions. Are you listening to me? But then you can see your true condition. Jesus told them to anoint their eyes with eye salve so they could see. Jesus said that the ability to see correctly is the the key to being freed from that deception. So when we are offended, we see ourselves as victims, and we blame those who have hurt us, and we justify our bitterness and our unforgiveness and our anger, and we say, I have a right to feel that way. But Jesus said, no, 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 no. He said, you need to be purified gold. You need some white clothes, some white remnant. You need your eyes anointed with eye salve so that you can see. See, you, you, you have to see your true condition and then repent. And you will only repent when you stop blaming other people for hurting you and offending you. Amen? As long as we blame others and defend our own position, we're blind, wretched, miserable, and poor, and naked. We'll go through life trying to remove the speck out of the brother's eye when we've got a log in our own eye. God help us enlighten our eyes to see our true condition and become free from offenses. Don't let pride hold you in that place of offense and deception. Amen.
Praise God. We got to get to the place where no matter what anybody says or does to us, we just give it to Jesus. And make that determination. I'm going to love you anyway. I'm going to do good to you anyway. Isn't that what Jesus said? Pray for your enemies. Paul told the Corinthian church, he said, you know, there's going to court with one another. They're suing one another in the church. He said, can't you just learn to accept being done wrong and just take it? Didn't Jesus teach you to even love your enemies? He said, but brother's going to court against brother and, and doing it before the world and the world seeing it and saying, boy, what a, what a pretty bunch that is down there. It was offense that had to be dealt with. It's the bait of Satan. It will destroy us spiritually if we don't let God heal us of it. Amen? Praise God. Let's stand tonight. Praise God.